Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later, Stephen Robb on AD Anaerobic Digesters, Edmund Mookley Chogask on Dairy Matters, Senator Tim Lombard fights on for attention of our 250kg nitrates derogation. Zoe Kavner, National Dairy Council, NDC CEO, and spokesperson for the European Milk Forum in Ireland on the results of an interesting survey. But first, Ms. Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association, with details of the county team competing at the 2023 National Ploughing Championships, Rathaniska County Leash, from 19th to 21st of September 2023. First of all, Caroline, welcome to the programme. You have details of the Cork West team competing. I do, John, and thank you. As you all know, the, this coming week is going to be a busy year in the calendar for the ploughing, and um, it starts on Tuesday and right through till Thursday. Now, the teams for Cork West are as follows. The Senior Conventional, Kieran Copley and Jim Grace, they will plough on Wednesday. Intermediate, John A. O'Donovan, was ploughing on Tuesday. The under-28, Niall O'Driscoll, ploughing on Tuesday. Uh, the under-21, Noel Nine, and he's ploughing on Tuesday as well. Then we have the three furrow, and we have two competitors in this. There's Kevin O'Driscoll and Matthew Coakley, and they are both ploughing on Tuesday as well. On the ladies, we have Katie Hayes. She's ploughing Wednesday. Uh, then we have Keen Harrington representing the Makra, and he's ploughing on Thursday. The senior reversible, we have three competitors which, who are ploughing on Wednesday, and they are Michael Witcherly, Jerk Coakley, and Liam O'Driscoll. The under 28s, we have two competitors, Connor O'Farrell and Flora Witcherly. We're ploughing on Tuesday. The three furrow reversible, one competitor, Timothy Lawler, was ploughing on Thursday. Now we have uh, the vintage two furrow, Ger Collins, who's ploughing on Wednesday. The single furrow, Gordon Jennings, on Thursday. The novice conventional, James Jennings, who's ploughing on Wednesday. The novice reversible, Eugene O'Donovan, who's ploughing on Tuesday. And then we have Adrian Grace, who is representing the Loy, and he's ploughing on Wednesday. Now, on behalf of the Cork West Ploughing Association, I would like to wish all our competitors the best of luck and to bring home the silver and uh, Godspeed the plough. And we endorse those comments to the very best of luck to both the Cork teams, but in your case, Sir Caroline, the Cork West Ploughing Association team. Thank you very much, yes. Caroline, and we look forward to getting results, and hopefully, as you said, the Cork West team will be bringing home some silverware to celebrate their victories. Caroline, thank you very much indeed. Miss Caroline Jennings, Public Relations Officer, PRO, for Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Jack. Next, we turn to Cork East Ploughing, Philip Cotter, a PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association, has a roundup of ploughing matters, some results and details of the Cork East entry for this year's 2023 National Ploughing Championships, 19th of September to 21st of September, inclusive. Philip, welcome to the programme. Thanks, John. Great to be back and, uh, and, and thanks for having us. And uh, yes, we had a match last Sunday in Carrick Tool 
in the, well, on the farm of the Barry family, Knockraha, which is our first qualifying match for 2024 for Cork East. And these are the results. Senior Open, first Michael Linehan, second Lars Bergen, and third Morris Walsh. Under 28, first Jamie Hayes, and under 21, first Dylan Hall. The novice conventional, first Chloe Dennehy. Three for a match, first Jim Barris, second Killian Tate, and third Matt Coakley. The Macra, first Willem Mulcahy, second Stephen O'Connell. Um, reversible, two for a, first Jimmy Carter, second Paddy Harrington. The vintage two for a hydraulic, first Matt Fleming, second Henry McGrath. And in single for a, vintage single for a, first Trevor Fleming. The classic class, first Damien Hearn. And those are the results from last Sunday in McKinley match in Carrick or in Nakaha. And a, a great day was had by all and the f- nice size and everybody are looking forward now to the national finals and we wish them the best of luck. And speaking of the national finals, I'll give you the team that are going and the categories they're taking part in. In the intermediate conventional, McLennan is the competitor. Junior, Michael Hannon and Joe Tomey. Three for a match, Jim Barris and Killian Tate. Under 28, Jamie Hayes. Farmer Race, Orla Hayes. Novice conventional, Chloe Dennehy. Reversible, two for a. Paddy Harrington. Vintage hydraulic, Phelan Cotter. Vintage single for a. Trevor Fleming. Under 40 horse, Jeremiah Delaney. Senior horse, JJ Delaney. And the special horse class, Jeremiah Delaney, which is on day three. That's the team entry for the national finals next week. Now, we also, last week, were abroad. We had European vintage in Holland. And I was there, actually, 31 degrees, smashing ground, sandy ground. We had two entries, and Bordeaux came back with a second-place win. We also had four people plowing in six nations in Wales at the weekend. And out of the four, three, we got a first and two seconds. We're having a good time in the vintage plowing, and we're delighted with that, and we're hoping and we're wishing everybody success next week in our own national finals. And they will qualify us, or they will qualify somebody for the same next year again in Europeans and Six Nations abroad. So the best of luck to all competitors next week. And thanks for uh, having us. And hopefully we'll have results after next week. Good results from Cork East. Thanks very much, John. Thank you very much indeed, Philip. Mr Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Hopefully, hopefully the Cork East team will be bringing home some uh, silverware to reward their great efforts. So, Philip, thank you very much indeed. Great to hear your voice again, and hopefully you'll be giving us some very good results in the near future. Thank you very much indeed, Philip. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. We'll keep in touch. Thank you. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Ms Zoe Kavner, spokesperson for the European Milk Forum in Ireland and also chief executive of the National Dairy Council. Zoe, welcome to the programme. Recently, you produced a survey which showed that Munster consumers were confident that dairy farmers uh, could tackle climate challenges. What is the background to that report and uh, what kind of details have you regarding the report? 
So this is very recent research. This is from May. It's specific to Ireland where we spoke to 1,500 Irish consumers. And um, I'm delighted to say this is a good news story for Irish dairy. Nine out of ten of Munster's consumers are confident that dairy farmers can tackle the climate challenges. Uh, And what's even more encouraging is that 80% of your listeners feel informed about the role of dairy farmers as food producers. And three quarters of your listeners regard the industry as hugely important to Ireland. So these are very relevant findings and, um, as I say, quite extensive research, 1,500 people here in Ireland. The 1,500 people that we spoke to, um, they would be what we would call um, nationally representative. In other words, um, 51% female, 49% male. We would have had a, um, a breakdown in terms of geography city, urban, suburban, town, um, village or rural, and that's very balanced and balanced across age groups as well. So I think we're in a really interesting place with telling the story of Irish dairy farming families and the steps they're making to become even more sustainable. Uh, We have a number of concerned citizens in Ireland. They're asking questions around the production system and they want to be reassured that the sector is taking the necessary steps to reduce its emissions profile by 25% to achieve its uh, water targets by 2027 uh, to consider biodiversity and the very encouraging thing is in Ireland we have a plan this is a sector with a plan it's a sector that's been under intense scrutiny for the past five years And let me just share with your listeners some examples of how this plan has been realised. Incorporating clover into grass, into our pastures, will reduce the need for chemical fertiliser by 40%. And that will have a real benefit, both in terms of input costs as well as environmental benefits in terms of waterways. We also have um, a very selective application now of fertiliser on their land. Uh, it's not just being spread in the olden days um, anywhere and everywhere. There's low emission slurry spreading and in a very targeted way. We also have many of the dairy farming families in Munster uh, really embracing biodiversity. Uh, what you'll note is that hedgerows now are being let to thicken um, and there's a real encouragement of wildlife in the base of those hedgerows. So this is a sector with a big plan of action, progress already being made, but most importantly, what this research tells us is there's now much more open dialogue between the farming families and the consumers and the concerned citizens. And I think that's really important that we get into the space of having an open dialogue, talking about the challenges, communicating the progress and getting to a good place by 2030. Now, your research has a tremendous amount of detail Can you give us a website where people can find out more about all the different aspects of the research you carried out? I would encourage your listeners to visit the NDC website. That's www.ndc.ie for National Dairy Council. And actually there they will find an awful lot of information around the work that's being done. Thank you very much indeed for your valuable time. Thank you, Miss Zoe Kavanagh, spokesperson for the European Milk Forum in Ireland and also chief executive of the National Dairy Council. Thank you, Zoe, very much indeed. Thanks a million. John, thank you very much. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Senator Tim Lombard, party spokesperson on agriculture. 
Tim, welcome to the programme. Now, to be realistic, are we just leading people up the garden path if we say we are continuing to fight for the retention of the 250 kg and we should really be trying to secure the 220 kg? Is there any hope at all? Is there a chink or an open door or a partially open door? Because some people feel, look, the damage has been done. There's nothing we can do. They're in a state of paralysis, as it were. No, John, I actually think we still have an opportunity to make some actual headway regarding the 250 on the island of, of Ireland. I just think we need to be straight with people. Uh, we had a really long but productive meeting with the Commissioner over in Europe last week about this issue. Myself and members of the Agricultural Committee went to the Brussels, met the Commissioner, met the Commission, and we had a really important engagement with that Commissioner. And what we've learned from that engagement is that there is an opportunity for us to actually make an amended proposal between now and the 30th of September. And we need to work on the map that's provided in the EPA report on, in page 12, which is the famous red map. So the indication we got from the Commission is that you can look at a submission, take into consideration the red areas and the white areas, and potentially coming back with two zones, one with 250 and one with 220 which would give, um, you know, a little bit of peace to some people who are in the 220 or the 250 area. But it is a really significant issue and how we actually address the water quality issue between now and the next maybe two and a half years is a huge issue for us. But for now, I think the battle has to be about what's going to be in that submission. What are the paths I'm going to submit between now and the 30th of September? And then what engagement will the minister do regarding this submission into the department regarding the department's work and the commission to make sure we can get that over the line. But we're still not 100% sure that the department is going to make that submission itself. And I think that's the clarity we're looking for. We need the minister to clarify exactly what he's proposing to do here because there is, as you rightly said, mixed messages without shadow of doubt regarding this entire derogation issue and how it has been handled in particular in the last two or three weeks. More than once, you've referred to Germany and the auto industry, and you claim the relevant minister in Germany would be doing everything possible, meeting in person with those involved, to fight for the retention of the auto industry in Germany and to stop anything that might interfere with Germany's auto industry. You might just elaborate on that point and how it could be applied to our situation here. Yeah, the way I also describe the dairy industry in Ireland is it's a 17.2 billion euro industry with 59 milk plants around Ireland with crop movements tied into it. It's one of the most significant drivers, not alone in our rural economy, but in our entire economy. And how we need to actually interact with Europe needs to change regarding that. And I was disappointed that the Minister did a Zoom call regarding that issue, regarding the Nitrix Action Plan. With, with, with the Minister. I believe it should have been a face-to-face dialogue like myself and the members recently had with the, minister, with the Commissioner and that would have been more beneficial. But we need to make sure we do our utmost to protect this industry. And I was a little disappointed to say the very least regarding the interaction that the Minister and the Department had regarding this issue. Online, it's a little bit dismissive, whereas if you take the trouble to meet somebody about something very important and interface, maybe it's only the optics, but it would appear that you've 
done everything. You've laid yourself on the line and you've done your utmost by meeting the people, whereas online it's slightly dismissive. That's the impression, the feedback some people will tell you they get. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point. You know, you have to try your utmost to make sure you save the industry and protect what we've built up in particular over the last 40 years. And what I'd say is, like, this is probably one of the toughest decisions the dairy industry has had since 1984, 85, since the quotas came in. And I think that's where this, that's where this is on the actual pecking line of importance. It's probably the most important decision we're going to make in 40 years regarding dairy. And because of that, I believe, it had to be a face-to-face meeting, had to be a dialogue, had to go through all possibilities. And if you go back to what we've done the last maybe week regarding the commission, the commissioner himself, myself and my other colleagues, we went through the actual parameters, went through the issues regarding livestock, someone being in calf, what would happen if you had to be stock in such a short period of time. And we also looked at what was going to be the solution. It became very obvious that the Commission outlined to us that one of the solutions that we could do was because the European Court Justice's judgment on the 30th of June, we could take that into consideration. And the knock-on implications is we could split our area in Ireland to have one area in 250, one area in 220. But the Commissioner also went further and said we can build in, hopefully, with good water quality to get more area back into 250. And that's probably what we're trying to save here save the 250 on the island so then we can build towards making sure we get 250 across all of Ireland over a period of time but that happened because it was a face-to-face dialogue that happened because we spent an hour with a very very busy commissioner who's from Lithuania who had only been in Ireland once before but we need to sit down and explain to them the real issues that we have here we're a completely different system than any other European model 305 days on grass really built on the on the ability of producing the majority of all our milk from grass. Like, that is completely unique in the European model itself. And in fairness to the Minister, he took it, or the Commissioner, he took it on board. And that's why it was so important we had that meeting. And I want to compliment the colleagues that was out there, there was four of us in the Agricultural Committee there, Michael Fitzmaurice, Jackie Cal, and Senator Paul Daly were with me. And we did a really significant body of work it's about trying to build on that engagement now. And what we need to do now is, between now and the 30th of September, we need to take the parameters of that engagement and make a submission to the Commission. And the knock-on implications, hopefully, will be the Commission will agree with us that we need to keep the 250 on the island and we can move forward to actually make sure we can get the rest of the Ireland back into 250 in the next two years. The article in the Irish Farmers Journal on Saturday, 16th of September, 2023, Timber League derogation farmers face 20% cut in cow numbers. Now, Timber League is regarded as the gold standard of water quality, water monitoring in a catchment area which is given over very largely to dairy and agriculture. So Timber League derogation farmers facing 20% cut in cow numbers. We have pointed to Timber League as the great example of what should be done and in that way go with that case, press that case and be allowed the extra time which the ICMSA president, Papa Cormac and in fact all the top agri people are saying give us that bit of time. We could have been quicker up to now and we know the EPA are there with their studies but Timber League, the fact that Timber League is being slightly undermined or not taken into consideration seriously, that must be very worrying. Yeah, look, that article on page 26 of the journal is something I read and really 
pointed out what the derogation means, like literally 20% cut in cow numbers in Tim League, the catchment area that has proven that nitrate levels in the water have actually gone down over the last few years because, number one, of the testing regime put in place. EPA would test once every every month. Literally, I think it's like once every 10 minutes that's happening on Tim League, something like 4,500 a month compared to one from the EPA. But it's also because of the good farming practices that are done there. And if you look at the Tim League model and the catchment of so what's happened under the good works of Eddie Burgess from, from Tigers, it just shows you that that catchment program is a really significant part of the actual program to make sure that we're reaching our actual targets. And I was, and I am disappointed that the EPA haven't actually invested more into the technology that's down in actual Tim League because it proves we can actually get results. But the real knockdown implication here, unfortunately, John, is that unless we take this, con- this information into consideration, that 20% will happen across the entire West Cork and even Cork County area. So you'll have a 20% cut in cow numbers across the entire county. And that will have a huge impact on milk flow, huge impact on finances. It will literally cripple and destroy our actual rural economy. And that's a really significant issue. I keep on saying this is the most significant issue um, problem that we have in 40 years in dairy and to have a minister make a zoom call on that was disappointing to say the least but what we need to now is to make sure that the submission that happens is going to be appropriate and will take places like Tim League out of the 220 and back to 250 where it belongs otherwise the entire system is a joke Tim would you consider leading a joint delegation of the heads of the farm organisations or even farmer representatives and rural representatives, uh, possibly other political parties, but would you consider actually leading a group to speak to the Commission and when they see you know, the strength of feeling and they meet these people, is that just still fanciful that you might lead a group because you are to the fore in refusing to lie down and accept the 250 kg nitrate derogation has been lost. You're, you're saying, no, it's not lost. The door is partially open. Let's prise it open. Let's negotiate further. Yeah, and I, I have no issue in, in leading that delegation. I was in Europe last week where I met the commissioner. I'm actually going out there again next week where I'm meeting members of the EPP, the political party of associated with Fine Gael in Europe. Because I think it's important we get consensus across all Europe regarding this issue itself. And like I believe that 80% of our legislation comes from Europe, then real negotiations have to be done in Europe regarding these issues itself. We need a strong voice over there. And like I'd have no issue in leading that delegation, but we need to make sure that our apartment is behind us. And I think that's really important. The department must put forward an appropriate and strong submission in the next two weeks. The time is ticking. Like, unless the department do this, we will have very little to argue about in, in the European context regarding trying to negotiate. And I think that's the fundamental issue for the next two weeks. And when that submission is made, then we will be negotiating in Europe to make sure we can actually get something off this. Because, like, obviously there's going to be work within the EPP party, but, like, the commissioner himself told the committee and the committee members that we can have direct dialogue with him again and we will take up that invitation and we will be talking to the Commission about making sure that they take on board what's coming in the submission to make sure we can save the 250 for the project.
Thank you very much indeed, Senator Tim Lombard. Every good luck with your efforts and hopefully we will retain the 250. But at this point, it seems um, almost lost on the face of it. But uh, you're not going to accept uh, a failure. Thank you very much indeed, Senator Tim Lombard. Thank you, Tim, very much indeed. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. Mr Edmund Moakley, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagask Advisory, Moorpark for Moy in County Cork. First of all, Edmund, welcome to the programme. Autumn Grazing. Hello, John. Um, yes, uh, I suppose autumn grazing. Uh, we've recently, um, the closing dates have come for nitrogen and there's still a lot of grass on farms and growth rates have been very good over the last number of weeks. Uh, I suppose, look, I just wanted to hopefully help people out and go back over some of the targets that are there, why they're there. And let's say, something that people can do to best utilise that grass, which is the big main thing at this time of the year. So just a couple of interesting things there. Our first day at the moment, I was looking up um, for our view, like dry matter in Moor Park on the 12th of September for the area was 15%. So just something to keep in mind. Um, obviously, that will vary now if we have wet weather of days, we'll get wet days, and the forecast is broken as of today's date. I suppose the average farm cover you're looking at in a lot of farm, it is basically an average between the highest and lowest, and you're looking at 900 um, on a farm stock to three livestock units to the hectare then that's 300 a cover of 300 per cow so it's a good lot of grass it's um, a cover a grazing cover pre-grazing cover you're looking at 2,000 so they're well over what we'd be recommending mid-season of 1,500 um, you do want to go into those covers in preferable conditions um, at the same time you don't want them getting waterlogged let's say and things but like picture days when you do go to them if the weather is broken over the next week or so um, I suppose, look, perfect allocations at the moment. When we hit September, generally people try to come in with a bit of meal um, with a large availability of grass and a lower meat price. Some people might be reluctant, but like, look, as a guide, I think you'd want to be looking at a cow that's eaten 18 kilos of dry matter. So that'd be really your average cow that you'd be giving her 15 kilos of grass would be her diet and 3 kilos of meal. And I do stress that for someone that has plenty of grass, right, that they can tip away, that they have enough grass built up that they keep their cows out till the 1st of November and, be, and well beyond us. So, um, if there is a guide. Uh, the fertiliser date, as I say, is gone. Um, so, like, the thing is, hopefully people are up to date on that and have it done. But there is still the option there till the end of this month, and I do stress till the end of this month, let's say, uh, for getting slurry out. So, watery slurry, let's say, uh, target your fields with it. All the time being conscious, obviously, of what rain is due to come in the subsequent hours, so that we don't have wash off that you're getting um, bank your book and that you are growing grass as a consequence of it. I suppose rotation and this is looking forward. You're looking look at all the pins on grass growth. Grass growth has been higher. Uh, generally we've guidelines for this time of year. The guideline for mid September would be thirty five days and at all stocking rates. But um again that goes back to your average farm cover and trying to keep a bit of ration in the diet just as the dry matter is down in the grass. Um I suppose look the targets just clear targets that we are given let's say from uh, Tagus Research point of view is for mid-September stocks of two and a half livestock units per hectare which is having a cover of four to four fifty per cow um, that's allowing an average farm cover of a thousand to eleven hundred some people will consider that on the high side but like while the conditions were good there there was no issue getting through it uh, for the higher stock farms you're basically looking at having 370 per cow but having at least that 1100 average farm cover across the farm The indications are there's going to be no surge upwards in dairy prices so a lot of people have reduced income and still those high bills outstanding any tips on how people might um, balance things out and uh, discharge their bills and uh, keep in business Look it's like this, yes, with the high incomes of last year, let's say, uh, 
has been back this year, let's say. You're looking at reduced income. Now, some costs have dropped back as well. I think about during the week, the fertiliser was back for 44% and things like that. Um, the contracting bills will be there. A lot of bills still outstanding in the back end of the year. Um, the very big one, look, I hope at this stage that all your listeners will be conscious of it, that they spoke to their accountant based on last year and that they know what their tax liability is because that is going to be the big one on most farms. Uh, stuff might have been done out of cash flow last year and just plenty of options there. If people know what it is, there is options there to go in and address it. Let's say it might be retro financing stuff that was done last year, but for people that are in a place, let's say, where they are seeing a deficit in the income versus what their expenditure is going to be in the back of the year, we're available to talk to ourselves, look at your advisor, um, discuss with your accountant, discuss with your bank manager. Don't be trying to deal with problems yourself. Let's say there is help out there, and that's only for people that might have overstretched themselves or the cash flow and things last year. Could we turn to surplus stock? It's just good, I suppose, from an advisory point of view. Look, I'm just saying that uh, their prices are relatively good for store cattle and things at the moment. So if people have saleable stock in the yard, it mightn't be the time of the year they generally sell them. But let's say there is a good return. There are some farms out there with a lot of grass and they're understocked. And there seems to be a lot of farm appetite for these stocks. So be it heifers that are surplus to requirement, be it cattle that people were keeping, and they may have the issues looming, let's say, with... What we're looking at next year, potentially in areas where people will be dropped back to 220 nitrates and they might be carrying cattle that necessarily they shouldn't be. That There is an opportunity there to cash them in and maybe now the thing to be doing it because there is good demand in the maths and across all platforms for selling of stock. So it's just something to keep people conscious of. Getting winter ready. Any tips or recommendations for our listeners? Uh, just a few things, John, that I'm thinking of there when I um, start this topic, let's say, basically slurry has been brought forward, right? So traditionally it would have been the middle of October was the date, the cut-off date for us. This year, we're at the end of September, so we're going to have a longer period. Uh, it's going to be, you have 21 days of soil water storage required for December. Uh, it's going to test people, that might be, man, not many, I would say like that any person who is in the derogation, they have the tanks on the ground, but we're hearing a lot of it that people are getting caught that, uh, that they don't think there's sufficient storage. And a lot of what I'm seeing on the ground is down to management, watering yards and things. So, like, if people have water being collected there from the 1st of October into tanks, and it might just be a matter of getting a few bits of concrete, let's say, and creating ramps and things to divert the clean water away from the dirty water, little things like that, now's the time to be doing them. Not waiting till the kettle or hose or till the 1st of October has passed when you're supposed to be holding all that water. Uh, the other thing is obviously getting out the slurry, you know, it's going to be more challenging. Typically of what happens, let's say, the weather, the forecast at the moment is changing, they're going to be wet days. You still, our overall goal at the end of the day is water quality, and there's no point in putting out story just because of story deadlines. Trying to get out, so working with the days that are there, being in contact with your contractor, letting them know that the story needs to go out, not waiting until the last week of um, September and saying, "Can you get the story out?" and it going out in less suitable conditions. Uh, the other thing to be conscious of is like the harvest obviously was challenged in Hampers, knowing this year because of the weather we had, have enough straw for calf housing. We're going to have a double whammy. Uh, straw is scarcer. A lot of people who chop straw and things and a lot of straws of inferior quality, you're going to have a lack of peat available. Uh, I don't know what the situation with wood chip for calves, but look, every farmer has to fend for themselves and I think just have a duty to try and address them and just be set up for the calving period which will come around quickly again once the winter starts. Other than that, look just safety-wise, uh, fixing up lights, having bulbs replaced, the shoots and sheds, in particular the ones that are going on to dirty yards, making sure that they are repaired. All those kind of jobs, just it's, I suppose now it's a make or break time to do it. It's all going to lead to reduced um, water collected in yards by collecting shoots and things like that, or 
stone pipes or whatever may be damaged. Farmers in derogation, regarding farmers in derogation. I suppose for a farmer who's in a situation that potentially they'll see a drop because they might be farming up at the higher levels. Now, it can be for a number of reasons, I suppose. Things that people don't always think about, there might be a block of land adjoining the farm and the person owns that land decides not to make the maps available to the farmer who's taking silage or maybe taking a short-term grazing off it. Things like that. And they, they, there's, a, there's a numerous reasons why that might happen. Uh, there might be people that say that they've cows and they were now, they've gone into the higher band, so they've gone up into band A and... They're at one or six kilos of nitrogen, whereas they were at 85 a couple of years ago. So that's meaning that they produce. The big thing that I'm trying to say here is, look, we're as advisors, we're here. I've had a number of people into me already. They came in. Uh, I might have been gloomy enough over the phone because I kind of prepare them for what I was going to say before I come in. But generally, when we dug into most of these situations, even where people weren't willing to let the land go in the lease, let's say, or be shown on their 24 application for this, let's say, there is options there. And I thought, the options are, number one, get more land. Number two, reduce the stock. Number three, there's contract rearing. And then there's the exporting, the short-term grazing agreements, all the other farms that can be done. What I would be saying to people is that before you go making any decisions, let's say, if you're with your advisor, just talk to your advisor on it, go through what your options are. We're dealing with a lot of these queries at the moment, and I suppose the options are there. And it's just to trash out the options, because... Sometimes people can rush into committing to paying big money for land, paying higher prices for contract rearing, where it mightn't be what they'll be satisfied with down the line. The exporting, I suppose, you need to be very clear with the person you're taking the land from, let's say, what their requirements are, because exporting is one side of it, but if you're going to crop a silage in that ground and there's a lot of nitrogen going out in it, with the fertiliser register that's now in place, they will need to be taken in that fertiliser into their farm holding as well, let's say, so that it can be counted for, because you want enough allowances in your own holding to use it up so just a few things I suppose the other few things on the derogation just a timely reminder on them as well we're nearly for people who might not have been doing the pasture based measuring the grass let's say and they're in derogation now, there, is, there is a couple of people out there it's make or break at the moment because like with the derogations and the issues of water quality and everything we're trying to do there to safeguard the derogation be it in 220 in your area or 250 or whatever it may be for anyone that is above the 170, it's an awful place to be if they're reduced back down to that 170. So pasture base is a thing that needs to be done at the moment or it'll be automatically excluded from derogation for 24. So you have 20 measures required, five days apart. That needs to be done. It needs to be comprehensive. As advisors, we generally we'd be trying to help the farmer, but at the end they were doing the farmer no favour. This has to be done. It is a requirement of being in derogation. It has to reflect what's happening on the farm. And like, all right, Grand, you're not going to get a lot of benefit out of it in the month of December, but it'll be a learning curve this year because this is the requirement going forward and it is something we need to be right. The other one thing that people tell me need to be just conscious of is lime. For the next couple of months there, when the story will be out and when things settle down, just getting um, organised to get out lime. I don't know, but there might be a higher demand for lime this year because of the approvals that were given out under the lime scheme and things. So just be conscious of... Um, if you require to put out lime in derogation, that you do be getting it out over the next couple of months. The shorthand TAMS 3 for the Targeted Agricultural Modernisation Scheme. So TAMS 3, any comment on that which would be helpful? Just one useful thing. There was a press release that came out on the 8th of September from Minister McConnell and it was just the people that people who may have TAMS 3 applications put in and they'll be waiting approval, that these approvals won't come out imminently, but... 
that if people have done mobile equipment, so example, the mobile equipment would be the collars, the calf feeders, um, the, the bell share letter, some of those equipment, people can, there's approval being given across everyone, provided that your um, application was made and it was made accurately. But like approval will be made to all those people. So basically they, they can go in, they can buy an investment. Pending that their application is in order, they get approved on it there whenever it's dealt with, that they will get paid the money. So they'd be, obviously they would be buying the equipment prior to getting an approval letter, which generally we don't recommend. But for some people who will be hoping to get these investments in place, let's say that they are pending getting that approval letter. For anyone doing bigger investments, so be it tanks or maybe putting in sheds or any other work that might be happening, you can get um, priority approval. And what I would suggest to people in that regard is that they would contact their advisor who would be contacting, or whoever did the application, that they would be contacting um, the TAM section in Johnson Castle in order to get that priority approval. Mr Edmund Bokley, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagas Advisory, Moorpark for Moy in County Cork. Thank you very much indeed, Edmund. Thanks a million. Thank you, John, and your listeners. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Stephen Robb, Renewables Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Stephen, welcome to the programme. AD would be a profitable solution for derogation farmers. The background to Minister Ryan's statement. Yeah, thanks, John. So I suppose those comments were, were actually from Minister Ryan himself as opposed to, to myself. So, um, yeah, look, uh, Minister Ryan was, was chatting uh, at an event during uh, the week whereby he, he discussed uh, the, the most topical news item in, in, um, in agriculture at the moment, which is the, the drop of the derogation limit. And, uh, and he suggested that um, those, I suppose, 3,000 largely dairy farmers impacted by the, the drop in the derogation limit will be really be the first farmers involved in uh, the first wave of uh, anaerobic digestion development in Ireland. And, you know, he suggested that um, it would be a, a more profitable option for them to, instead of growing grass for, for their cows, uh, to grow grass for AD plants and by default, Reducing cow numbers and, um, and and meeting the new limit, um, but but as, as I as I delved into in my my articles this week, um, that's, that's not actually factually correct, um, and it's not really an option uh, as of yet for for any farmers, let alone the, the three thousand impacted farmers who so have to drop down to the new limit as of January first. So you are pointing there to Minister Ryan's statement and. Uh telling farmers, you know, to be very, very careful about statements like this. They may not, in fact, be realistic at all. Yeah, un- unfortunately, the statement wasn't wasn't very helpful um, from the Minister because there is this huge work going on at the moment to, to get this AD industry up and going and off the ground to, to even come close to meeting some of the targets we have in place by, by 2030. Um, but it's very slow. Um, it's slow at, on ground level because it's slow at, at government level. There's no, uh, means, there's no AD strategy out just yet. That'll be out hopefully within the next month or two, um, which should give a bit of direction on, on the industry. But probably more importantly, uh, we have our targets and hopefully we'll have a, a strategy document. It'll be a lovely report um, published by, by the government within the next couple of months. Um, but that all kind of means nothing if there isn't any follow-through in the terms of, of support in order to get these facilities up and off the ground. So if you look at the 
very many wind and solar farms that are popping up around the country at the moment. Well, the vast majority of those are underpinned by a 15-year government support scheme, um, whereby it, it pretty much gives those developers certainty of price um, backed by the government, so so they can go out and secure finance uh, and whatnot and, and develop those projects. And the AD industry, considering that a modern AD plant will cost upwards of about $15 million to develop, um, <laughs> AD developers will need exactly the same kind of support mechanism uh, upwards of 15 years or so um, in order to go out to the market and secure the finance um, to to develop these facilities, um, which is what the government wants us to do. But as of yet, the government has been extremely uh, hesitant at, at, at giving us details on what kind of support has come in. Uh, the minister himself seems to have, have shied away from providing that long-term support mechanism. I know internally there's no appetite for it within the government and we, we really cannot figure out why because that's, that is literally the, the key ingredient that's needed. So while we might have big ambitious targets and, and while the minister might say that it is, a, it is a currently an option for, for those farmers, the reality is it's, it's not an option for those farmers and, and it's not going to be either, John, for, for still a number of years, realistically. So I suppose, Stephen, speaking to us, so Stephen Rob, Renewables Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, commenting on an article in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, edition Saturday, 16th of September, 2023. AD will be a profitable solution for derogation of farmers, according to a report and statement by Minister Ryan. But you're warning farmers there, by all means, there may be a good future down the line for AD anaerobic digestion development in Ireland, but to be aware of boundless optimism and to rush into something, there could be a viable solution there or a viable alternative. But certainly looking at the government's hesitancy or lack of action in setting out a policy or a program, well, then people should be extremely careful, extremely cautious and weigh up all the possibilities and not be taken in by, you know, boundless uh, optimism Mm -hmm. and when they've made their investment to find they're left with a dud on their hands until some year's time when a programme is in place. The irony of of all of this is that um, to develop an AD industry um, it's going to be largely based on on an agricultural model so it'll be agricultural based plants Um, so really you're looking at about 50-50 in terms of feedstock, sorry, 50-50 slurry to grass silage. Um, the grass silage is largely expected to come from you know, dry stock farmers um, who, are, who are maybe looking to diversify the portion of their farm, um, possibly even tillage farmers who, who want to introduce a, a you know a, maybe a two or three year kind of lay break crop. Um, but as for the other 50% of feedstock, well, that, that has to be slurry um, in order to comply with sustainability criteria. And going by our numbers, you know, that, that's an excess of probably like, what, 1.3 million tonnes or so of slurry needed per year. Uh, so in other words, the AD industry really, really needs the dairy industry's cattle slurry um, in order to, to, to make it work. Uh, and as we know with nitrates, you know, a key problem with, with those 3,000 farmers impacted by the lower irrigation limit is, is the slurry. So it just makes absolute sense that those dairy farmers would consider AD as an option to export that slurry to because the AD industry needs it. Um, 
and it's, there's just a lot of synergy there. But um, as we as we outlined earlier on in this interview, um, the, the options just not there, despite the fact that it, that it all adds up and it all makes sense. Um, and it's what's being done in other countries, and it's probably the best example of a, a circular economy that you can find. But um, but know that the government are just really really slow on on uh, putting in the. The, the right infrastructure to make this industry develop. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Stephen Robb, Renewables Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, for that sober uh, comment. So people should look at your article in the Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday, 16th of September, 2023, where you also, we won't go to it now, but you also have a very interesting article there, nearly 500 acres of solar farms granted permission, not in Cork, but in other parts of the country. Stephen, thank you very much indeed. Thanks for your patience. Thanks a million. My pleasure, John. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, that's our Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks for listening. The Farm Talk programme, Saturdays, 7am to 8am, and midweek, Wednesday evenings, 10pm to 11 Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast sac, and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids, and fertility.